Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. All right, are you guys ready? I am so pumped to go over, by the way, our fast is over. 21, if, you, if you've been a part of this journey, we've been fasting for 21 days, and I get to eat all of the sugar I want today. I specifically bought a giant bag of like Easter Reese's for my Super Bowl party today, okay? And I'm eating them all today. That's all I'm eating, but I'm eating, I'm just kidding, that's not going to happen. But um, we, we've been on this kind of four-week journey together in this series of followers asking the big question, like, what was Jesus' invitation? And if you're, like, new to faith or, like, you know, kind of wrestling with your faith, you're not really sure what you believe about Jesus, like, it's really important. We're kind of wrestling with, like, what, what did Jesus' invitation mean? When he says, follow me, was that, like, just like a, a prayer, you know, say a prayer, go to heaven when you die, be a good person and maybe God's not mad at you. Like, you know, go to church and check off the boxes and, you know, maybe you're going to be good at the end of the day. Like, what was the invitation from Jesus? And so we've been talking about that and I'll just give you the breakdown to a little summary here. What does it mean to follow Jesus the last couple of weeks? If you missed it, podcast, YouTube channel, all of that, it's, it's paramount. They're building on each other and you definitely want to catch up. But first thing was what? be with Jesus. Literally, when, G- when Jesus invited people to follow him, first century ears would have understood this is a, an invitation from a rabbi. Yes, Jesus was the son of God, but he was also a first century rabbi, and the invitation was to come and be my disciple, or, or we talked about the, the word there is Talmudim, like an apprentice under Jesus, and so it's not just, you know, believe in me and good stuff will happen. It was, an, it was first an invitation to follow Jesus by being with Jesus. Last week we talked about eventually becoming like Jesus, which is a little more challenging, right? Be with Jesus, we've been working on that. We got all these practices going on and we're just like trying to equip you to have a daily routine of like, what does it mean to be with Jesus throughout the day and throughout the week? And then becoming like Jesus, we talked about, man, all of us have gaps. All of us have things that like, you know, if, it, if I looked a little more like Jesus, even if I don't believe he's God, like, it'd be a better thing. I mean, the, Jesus is a, sp- a pretty awesome dude. So, so becoming like Jesus was the process, and then today we're going to talk about the last thing in this invitation, which was to do what Jesus did. You have to understand, when Jesus extended the invitation to follow me for first century hearers and for Boulder 2022, it was an invitation to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and then to ultimately begin to do what Jesus did. Did. Now, here's my question. Have you ever thought about that? Like, what did Jesus really do? I mean, I mean genuinely, what, what did he do? I mean, you kind of think about it. Maybe you have some ideas and pictures in your mind. So I'm just going to kind of give you a big picture today, and then we're going to land the plane with some practical steps to take away as we go to our Super Bowl, Super Bowl parties and, and love our neighbors well. So let me just kind of catch you up. You can pick up the book of Matthew, by the way. We ended 21 days of prayer and fasting with a little, like, devotional book we've been in. And then after that, we kind of go back into reading the Bible together throughout the week. And so we have this reading plan we send out once a month. And so starting today, we're starting in the book of Genesis. We're going to kind of do a chronological effort of kind of digging back into daily time with God through reading the Bible. So you can pick that up either through our social platforms on our website or, or through the emails that go out. But if you want to, pick up the book of Matthew 
I don't have time to give it all to you today, but you can kind of read the story of Jesus and what's happening, of this invitation. First, we looked at these a couple weeks ago to follow him and then become like him. And so Jesus is kind of walking along the Sea of Galilee. This is like Matthew 3 and 4, okay? And he sees a couple of fishermen doing their fisherman thing. Anybody fish? Somebody went ice fishing recently, and I was a little jealous. And uh, um, I'd like to try it, but uh, I have zero skill at uh, fishing of any of I like catching, actually. It's my, I'm not really a fisher. I'm a catcher. All right. It's okay, we're gonna have fun today, I promise. All right, so he's walking along the, the, the Sea of Galilee and he sees guys like Peter and James and, and, and Andrew and John and, and they're, they're fishing in, in different boats and he extends the same invitation multiple times as he's kind of just walking along the, this uh, sea line, or this shoreline, and he says, follow me. And again, this invitation was clear from a rabbi extending this invitation. What do they do? They drop their nets, they leave their boats, they follow Jesus. It's a very clear invitation for them. And then they're, they're being with Jesus, first of all. Literally, everywhere Jesus is going, they're with him. And then eventually, they, they start to become like Jesus, right? They're starting to do the things that Jesus is doing. They're kind of adopting his patterns and lifestyle. Jesus gets up early and prays. They start to do that. Jesus fasts. He teaches them how to fast. and he, Servant leadership. They're just kind of like being with Jesus and becoming like Jesus in the process. And there's a lot of gaps, right? If you go read the book of Matthew, a lot of times Jesus is correcting them and re-instructing them and you, this life lesson over here. And so there's this rhythm of being with Jesus and becoming like Jesus. And what I love is you watch this rhythm in Jesus' life. And he's traveling around, and over and over again, he's just inviting people to follow him. And then he gets to this guy named Matthew, in, in, in like Matthew 9, the guy that's writing the gospel. And this guy is known as a tax collector, with, which for you and I, that might not like sit deeply on us, but this is like the scum of the earth. This is a Jew hired by the Roman government to tax the local people. But the benefit is the way he makes money is he gets to make the tax whatever he wants. So everybody hates this guy's guts. And Jesus walks up, sees Matthew, and he says, hey, why don't you follow me? And everybody's like, are you, are you kidding? You know, you know they have no category. I cannot believe someone as good and as awesome as Jesus would invite someone so filthy and messed up and corrupt and dirty. And what, and what I love about Jesus' invitation is he extends it to everyone. And I, just, I need you to know, I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey, whether you think you got all your ducks in a row or your life is an absolute wreck or you're somewhere in the middle of you like, okay, I'm not Jesus, but I'm not Matthew. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm pretty, I'm right there in the middle. And, and so I don't know where you find yourself, but Jesus' invitation is for everyone. And, and there's no strings attached. Follow me. And with all of your doubt, with all of your what ifs, with all of your I don't know about this, and I'm not sure how I feel about that, and I'm not sure I agree with this, follow me. An open invitation. Now, I want you to see the end goal in Matthew chapter 9. Check this out. We're just going to walk through this story, okay? So, Jesus is going throughout all the cities. Okay, the being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and then what are we doing? We're going to do what Jesus did, right? So let's, let's see what Jesus did. He goes throughout all the cities and villages. He's teaching in their synagogues. He's proclaiming the gospel. That word means good news of the kingdom. He's healing every disease and affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Pause there for a second. I love this. Then Matthew points out that when Jesus looked at Matthew, and Peter and James and John and the crowds, what is he filled with? Compassion. And you've got to ask the question, guys. What, what would, would possibly compel Jesus to engage crowds and give of himself over and over and over again? What would possibly compel him eventually to, to give his life 
in the place for the sins of the world to sacrificially die, be buried, and raise again. Why would he go through all of that? It's all because of that word right there, that when God looks at you, he is filled with compassion. And you've got to ask the question, what would drive the landings across the world to love and serve those who can't help themselves? And the answer is compassion. But not, not, not their own compassion. It's a compassion that comes from the love of God. And you've got to ask the question, what would, what would drive me to walk across the street and love the neighbor I don't know? To go out of my way to give my time, energy, and resources, to open up my home and engage with people who, who are not giving anything in return? The answer is compassion. You guys see this? Like this is how God looks at you, and once you really get a hold of how God sees you, then this starts to flow out of you. This is how you look at other people. This is how we see the world. Not down our noses, not better than, but full of compassion and love. Now, he goes on in uh, verse 37. So then Jesus says to his disciples, his Talmudim, those that he has invited to follow him, to be with him, become like him. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Jesus loved to, to use agriculture analogies, right? So earlier he talks about kind of this good news that he's sharing as, as, as seed that's being spread into the hearts of all that are around. And so the seed, is, this good news is taking root and it's making people come alive through faith in Jesus. And he says, that harvest is plentiful. There's plenty of people in Thailand who need to hear about the love of God for them and experience it and feel it. And there's plenty of people in your work and in your neighborhood and at our schools and at the grocery store and across the street that the harvest is plentiful, Jesus says. But the laborers, are few. Therefore, Jesus encourages his followers, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out. That's, that's, this is the same root word, apostello in the Greek, that we get the word missionary, that we, that we get the word living on mission, that we get the idea of, of kind of this kingdom work, of living an outwardly focused life, of living on mission with Jesus. That's that same word to send out laborers, workers into the, I, I love this from Jesus, listen. Jesus here is not concerned about whether or not people are gonna be excited and receive this good news. He's not worried, he's not like, oh, pray for a bunch of people to say yes to Jesus. What is he saying? That's plentiful. What we need is people to go share that love with word and deed. You guys see this? I, mean, I love this disposition of Jesus, pray. And listen, this is not like a special class. We're gonna see it, watch what happens. He goes on. And so he calls to himself the 12 disciples, those same followers, and he gave them authority to do the exact same thing. Isn't this interesting? Check it out. What was Jesus doing? Authority over unclean spirits, casting them out, healing every disease and affliction. Literally, Jesus kind of looks at the guys around him and says, okay, guys, you're up. It's your turn. And he gives them authority. He empowers them to do the exact same thing. Watch what happens. He goes on. Matthew tells us that the 12 Jesus sent out, he, he instructed them, go, don't go anywhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but specifically first, later he'll send them to the other regions, but right now he says, go first to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Over and over again, Jesus is talking about this, this kingdom of heaven, this new way of living. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons. I love this. Freely you have received... Right, they've been with Jesus, they're becoming like Jesus. He's like, man, guys, you've been mooching off of me for a long time, right? Freely you have received, now freely give. 
And, and to punctuate this, after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he gives us a similar piece of instruction. Matthew 28, let me show you this as we kind of put all these pieces together. So, after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he goes back to that same group, and he says to them, all authority in, in, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, or the Greek, you can translate this, as you go. So go to Thailand, yes, but as you go to work, and as you go rock climbing, and as you are cycling, and as you are living with your roommates, and as you are, as you go, make disciples, followers, apprentices of Jesus, of all nations. That's our call. Bold are the west in the world. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, Jesus said, I am with you always, that promise, to the end of the age. So this is Jesus' kind of wrap-up command. You guys tracking with me, okay? Like, this is the, kind of the summary of not just being with Jesus and becoming like him, but then what is the invitation, ultimately, to do what Jesus did, to continue the work that Jesus started through his death, burial, and resurrection. So, what does he do? He looks at Peter. He says, all right, Peter, today you're gonna go over here and you're gonna heal, heal a sick woman. And uh, John, guess what? You're up for like casting out a demon over here. Who wants that job? And then, and Andrew, hey, I want you to go to this town and I want you to share the good news. And so he looks at all the guys and says, hey, it's your turn, you're up. And then they go out, they come back, and they kind of debrief with Jesus. And the end goal here is to do what Jesus did. I want you to think about it. Uh, maybe you're in medical school or you, you know, you're doing some kind of master's work and you're apprenticing. Seth, one of our staff members in the room, he went and did like PDR work, which is paintless dent repair. And so he had to apprentice for a season before he was able to go out on his own. And you and I both know this functionally. In our lives, you apprentice for a purpose, right? The goal is not to be an apprentice forever. The goal is to apprentice so that I develop the skills, the ability then to do it on my own. You do not apprentice or go into, you know, the, the medical field just to, to be a scrub all your life, right? Like just to hold utensils and say, here I am. Eventually, after 30 years of, of you know, graduate work, you want to have your own practice, right? Every area of apprenticeship has an end goal of doing what you're being trained to do. So if you're an apprentice of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, and if you're not, I'm just inviting you to evaluate what the invitation looks like. That God's love is so great that he then invites us not just to keep it to ourselves, but to share it. Dallas Willard, he, he gave a quote. He, he said that man, if we're genuinely experiencing life with Jesus to the full, like, like he invites us into, he says evangelism or this, like, this going and sharing and loving the world around us, he says it's, it's kind of automatic and unstoppable. Like you can't keep in what Jesus is doing inside of you when you're with him and becoming like him. It's going to naturally overflow. But if you're an apprentice of Jesus today, your end goal is to grow into the kind of person that carries on what Jesus did, minus the Son of God part, <laughs> right? So what did Jesus do? Let's, let's talk about it for a second, okay? Because you might, like, you might, your head might be spinning, and you're like, cool, that's great. But what did he actually do? So here's the short list. Love God and love people. That's, you feel good about that? Like, okay, maybe, you know, Mark and Kristen, they were talking about that, like, great commission, great commission. Okay, I got it. Loving God and people, that feels pretty good. Like, okay, I might be able to get my head around that. It's still hard some days, but, I, you know, I can love God and people. If you're like me, that's great, but you're, you're really good at kind of, like, just putting that in your pocket and moving on, and, and so you only have categories that you immediately think about. But then, I stole this list from John Mark Comer, and, and I think it's a really helpful one just to see what Jesus does. So what's the expanded list of what Jesus actually did if we're going to continue that? So what did he do? 
He preached the gospel. Not like what I'm doing right now, but like sharing it. It means to make public through that word preach. Every time we see it in the Greek, it means to make public through our lives. So sharing the good news, teaching the way. Again, Jesus commanded us to, to not only share Jesus' love, but then teach him how to follow him. Healing the sick. Yeah, baby. We down, all right, don't get weird on me, okay? We're gonna get there. Casting out demons. Who's signing up for that one? Okay, no. All right. Eating and drinking with people far from God. My seven's in the room. Enneagram. Yeah, like, Okay, that's what I like to do. Okay, parties, I can do that. Doing justice, eight's in the room. Eight's on the Enneagram, we're like, yeah, let's go do some justice. Peacemaking, nine's in the room. Yeah, this is not, any, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go nines. Praying, prophesying, standing up against religious and political injustice. You look at this list. Again, if the goal of apprenticing under Jesus is to become the kind of person that carries on what Jesus did, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you look at that list and you're absolutely overwhelmed? A little freaked out. You got any kind of weird, you know, experience in your background, maybe a little bit like charismania in there, and you're like, I don't know how I feel about some of these middle ones, and I can maybe eat and drink with people, but I don't know about the other stuff. Listen, we're like charismatic with a seatbelt here, okay? And so we absolutely believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now you're like, okay, well, hold on, hold on. We, we get to this place, and you're like, I'm supposed to do that stuff, but they're like, that's Jesus. I'm not Jesus. He was God. That's a good one, right? So, it was a good, so, so listen, you and I live in this culture kind of post-enlightenment that, that made this effort of the argument of God. And so one of the ways to kind of like argue Jesus being the son of God was like post-enlightenment, there was this argument of kind of elevating Jesus in the miraculous, okay? But, but the reason that was done was to say that you and I don't operate in the miraculous and the supernatural, only Jesus did, therefore he must have been God. So there's this entire thing, a way of thinking that you and I have adopted just culturally growing up in the West, in the season of life that we're in, regardless of your age and stage of life, toward this idea that, okay, Jesus was God, and okay, well, there's evidence there, and there's miraculous, but I'm not, and you're not. But the reality is, Paul tells us in Philippians that, that Jesus put aside his God card to be fully human, like you and I. He put aside his God card, 100% God and a bod, right? I mean, I mean that's, that's who Jesus was. And you ask, how did Jesus live the life that he lived? 100%, like we talked about last week, by the power of the Holy Spirit. The, if you're a follower of Jesus and apprentice of Jesus, it's the same Holy Spirit, God in you, that you and I have. And so you and I wrestle with this. He's like, well, that's only something for Jesus. Yeah, that, that works, except for the fact that he empowered his followers to do it. And then we see not only the 12, because you're like, oh, well, those are the super dudes. Well, what about the 72 after that? And the early church after that? So you and I live in this kind of enlightenment age where we downplay pieces of, of what it means to follow Jesus, and we live in kind of this mental, okay, cool, let's believe the right things and maybe live a good life. But the reality is we're invited to live the life that Jesus lived. So, the problem you and I face in this, even if we're like, yeah, let's do what Jesus did, is, is we live in a very complex season of life. 2022, Boulder, Colorado, the world is changing constantly. We live in a post-Christian culture, which, which what that means is like, there's this kind of natural reaction and bias against faith and ideas of faith and following Jesus, and there's honestly sometimes like a hostility to following Jesus. You guys experience that? Like, like a built-in one, even if you don't, like nothing has to happen. There's just kind of like a built-in subculture of a little bit of hostility toward Jesus and Jesus' followers. And so you and I have to ask the question, like, man, how, how, do we, how do we be the kind of people that are with Jesus and are becoming like Jesus and doing what Jesus did in 2022 in Boulder, Colorado or in Thailand? 
So I think part of it is we need to understand who we are and where we're going. So here's like a functional definition I'm working with that I'll give to you, and then we'll go into the application. This is just something in my mind that I've been kind of playing with, okay? Who are we? Where are we going? You and I. The church is a local community of Jesus followers committed together to the teachings and practices of Jesus in the early church and learning how to apply them to the soil of a post-Christian world. This is the tension that you and I are living in right now. And so as we process this, there's a lot of work to be done. So let me give you just like some encouragement. I, I, I hope to move you from like overwhelmed or disillusioned to empowered, okay? As we end our time, you guys with me? So let's just do, take a few minutes. If you're taking notes, these are all for you. Number one, a couple of just local thoughts here, helpful reminders. Number one, remember the spiritual formation paradigm we talked about last week. This is absolutely key to what we're talking about. If we're going to become the people that do what Jesus did, and we eventually get to that space, then, then we've got to remember this piece. We talked about the difference of like intentional and unintentional spiritual formation. We talked about unintentional spiritual formation is easy because all you got to do is wake up tomorrow. Right? These are the, the environments that we live in, the habits that we have, the stories we believe, the people we live life with. The unintentional spiritual formation is constantly happening. But if we're going to press into intentional spiritual formation, that, that we can't just wake up and do what Jesus did on accident, be like he is. And so what do we got to do? We got to press into teaching that counteracts the stories that we believe. We've got to press into community. Not, not just the people that we like, but bigger and wider community, large group, small group, so that we're, we're committing to a space where God can work in and through the people around us. We talked about it last week, both to encourage us and reveal the things that need growth. When we get close to people, it reveals where we need growth. And lastly, through practice. We talked about this. We're going to talk about it over and over again. And I hope, I hope I'm like sounding like a, just a constant ringing of the same things because we've got to get this in order to see ourselves grow. That practicing the ways of Jesus, not trying but training, is how we grow in our relationship with God and on mission with him. And all empowered with, by and, and, and in the environment of the Holy Spirit working in and through us, Okay. So just remember, like, this is a long game. Like, I'm having conversations constantly with my friends who are, like, not followers of Jesus, and we'll sit down, and we'll have a cup of coffee, and we're chatting about things, and, like, this, the, you know, totally, everything's on the table, whatever. We'll talk about it all. But it's a slow process of working through these things. No, no one sits down first time with me and it's like, yep, today, I want to give my life to Jesus. Let's go, right? Most of the time, it's like, okay, what about this and some of this? And there's constant work of intentional spiritual formation, and the same thing for our own lives if you're a follower of Jesus, that we've got to lean into this area. Number two, you need to know your stage of discipleship and season of life. Man, we, we talked about this a little bit, but I really want to just give you some encouragement here. Know your stage of discipleship and your season of life, right? This be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did. It's not a three-step formula. It's not like, check, 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 I am now pretty much Jesus 2.0. We don't, we don't get there. This is a process, yes, but, but there's also... There's a little bit of, of a graduation, if you will. So if you're a brand new follower of Jesus, we say it all the time, and you've got to learn to be with Jesus before you do anything for him. It, that it's out of the overflow of intimacy with Jesus that he accomplishes the ministry he wants to do through us, the serving he wants to do through us. If we get that backwards, we miss everything. Don't mishear me. The goal is not to run out and just try to tackle all the doing today. We've got to start by being with Jesus. But we also said it's not like, okay, cool, three months over here, three months becoming like Jesus, and then bam, I am now working toward Jesus 2.0. So you gotta know your, your stage of discipleship, your, your, your season of life. Um, let me ask you this question. What stage are you at today? 
Just as you walked in the room, what stage are you at? Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, beginning to do what Jesus did. Some of you, you've been following Jesus for a long time, and you're genuinely able to be, you're already engaging in doing what Jesus did. Others of you, you're like brand new followers of Jesus, or you were exposed to like Jesus early on, and then a bunch of religion that didn't help you grow in your relationship with God, so you've never learned how to be with Jesus. We gotta start over right there. But listen, this is not like meant to be extreme, right? Like, like you can't be like, oh, sorry, I can't volunteer at City Church because I'm, I'm really focusing on abiding right now. Now listen, why don't you try abiding in City Kids? Let's try that, okay? Like, that's a great idea. It's not meant to be exclusive. It's not, you know, go be a hermit for six months and then come back to community. The idea is that we, we, we need to know what Jesus is doing in our lives and say yes. Know your season of life in addition to that, right? If you're a mom with three kids or, or a single person in college, those seasons of life are very, very different. And so, again, we've been asking this question, what would Jesus do if he were me? What would Jesus do is an important question, but like, it might not apply because Jesus was like a first century male Jewish single itinerant rabbi who couch surfed. So, unless that's you, you might need a little bit of context shift, right? What would Jesus do if he were you? Now, don't, don't misunderstand the question. It's not what would I do if I were Jesus, right? Like, that's the wrong approach, okay? We don't want to apply our agenda to Jesus, but what would Jesus do if he were me, my age, my stage of life, my season, and then begin to engage in that space? So, depending on where you are, depends on what you need to do next. Some of you, you know, maybe you're in a space where you, like, kind of need a a swift kick in the pants, right? Like, we all kind of use that sometimes. You're like, man, hey, don't waste your life. You have a season right now to love and serve and engage. And others of you, you just need permission to slow down. It is not your job to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus. And do what he did. Number three, don't underestimate the power of following Jesus in community. There's something that God does through community that he doesn't do anywhere else. And so I, I want you to just dream with me. Boulder, Colorado, 2022. Imagine a city that's looking on. We have city groups all over our community multiplying and growing and people who are, you know, maybe rubbing up against. Everywhere I go, I meet city church people. <laughs> and they might, like, disagree with what we believe, but they're still blown away by our love. We were at movement, the Movement Climbing Gym, like, a couple of weeks ago, and there was like a squad of city church people there. Like, like, like people are taking over. Way to go, guys. And, and there's like massive influence of loving and serving. And like people know. They might not want to come to a Sunday gathering. That's okay. Because they're being loved and served by the community around them. And people start to look on and say, man, those people, they have something different. But they're not just massively addicted to technology. They're like kind of present with one another and they know how to forgive and they, they're committed to community even when it's hard and they, they show up even when they, they don't have to and I mean, they're generous with their time and their energy and their resources. Imagine the city that's experiencing you and I as followers of Jesus in community. That God is doing something larger through the space we're building. Number four. Start with the basics, okay? I don't want you to get overwhelmed by the list I showed you earlier. Later in the year, we're gonna do a Holy Spirit series and we're gonna talk about like what it looks like to do what Jesus did. So don't get overwhelmed, right? Don't think like Tuesday, cast out a demon. <laughs> Wednesday, heal the sick. Thursday, right? Don't, you, don't, you don't have to go there, okay? But start with the basics. There's a book called A Meal with Jesus. I, I encourage you to pick it up. And it basically sits on the premise that Jesus had two big pieces of what he came to do. He came to, what he, he said, seek and save the lost. 
And he was known coming eating and drinking with those far from God. And that's it. You say, man, how do I start the process of loving others well? Eat with people far from God. No agenda. Open up your home. Today, many of you, I just want to celebrate, many of you are crushing it by just engaging through Super Bowl parties in your home, at another place, whatever. That's awesome. I, I, I want to celebrate, man. There's so many people that are being intentional about this space, but start somewhere. All of you can, can do one thing. So here, here's my one piece of homework for you this week. We talked about it. Spiritual formation is not going to be just something that happens to us. It's intentional. So this week, set up dinner, drinks, climbing, whatever it is, with one person in your life who's at the disconnected from faith or from church or you don't know where they are spiritually, whatever. It might not happen this week. I found I got to chase my neighbors for like three weeks, <laughs> right, to get them. And winter showed up and everybody's hiding inside. You know, that's really hard. Our staff, we met this week and we talked about this challenge of like, you know, people kind of hide in the winter and it's hard to engage and build community. But you know what? All of our staff, we, we, we looked up and we said, man, we could be better at this. And all of us are having dinner with neighbors and friends and going to houses and all. What, no agenda. Just to show up to hear their story and to love and serve them well. To start. And last thing, number five. Let me just encourage you to live in the moment. <laughs> YOLO. You know, I was told we don't say that anymore. Um, <laughs> that's why I put it up there. Just because just you wouldn't forget it, okay? YOLO. Seriously, though. You, you only get one chance here. That, that a lot of loving people well is not scheduled. It really isn't like, okay, you know, Tuesdays are my day. From four to five, I'm going to love people well. <laughs> a lot of, of life's best and, and most opportune experiences to love well are the interruptions in life. We see that in the life of Jesus. And so the encouragement for you and I genuinely is, we talked about a couple weeks ago, practice the presence of God. That as we go, Jesus said, making disciples where we live, work, and play. So I told you a couple weeks ago, and we'll, we'll keep on talking about it. Transformation is not intentional. I'm sorry, it's, it's not inevitable, it's intentional. That you and I have to choose to grow in these spaces. So, hopefully you get the simplicity here. Start with the basics. Live in the moment. Hopefully you have some plans today to love and serve well. If you don't, reach out. Make a plan. Engage in community. And listen, know that you're not alone. You're not alone. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for the space that we just get to gather in today. Thank you for all my friends in the room. Hopefully, and there's space in our hearts right now to hear how much compassion you have for us. That the reason we can love, the reason we can serve, the reason that we can engage the world around us is because you did that first. We don't manufacture this love. We don't have to manipulate it. We simply have to sit in it to reflect on it and remember your incredible love for us. And Jesus, through your spirit, you move us then to action, to loving well. And so I pray for my friends right now in the room, recognizing there's a lot of life happening. There's a lot of different stages of discipleship, of apprenticing to Jesus. Many of my friends in the room are wrestling with faith. They don't know where they are. They're not really sure what they believe. They're trying to figure those things out. And God, I pray they're reminded, first of all, that this is a, a safe place where they're loved, they're welcome. But also, God, that, that you're big enough for our hard questions. For others of us, God, apathy creeps in, busyness creeps in, chasing the dollar creeps in, the worries of life creep in, and we, we just forget and we get distracted and we've received much. But if we take an honest reflection, we're not necessarily freely giving in the same way. And so, Holy Spirit, would you lead us right now to a place of response? 
would you put one neighbor, one coworker, one friend on our mind that we could have dinner with over the next week or so, just to love and create space to serve them well? Jesus, I pray for any of my friends in the room who are not followers of you, that they would understand the invitation is to trust in you, that all the life of becoming like you and doing what you did, it first starts with trusting in you, that you died for our sin, you rose again so we could be saved and set free. We do nothing to earn it. We do nothing to maintain it. We simply receive it as a gift. And if any of my friends in the room have never received that gift, Jesus, I pray today in their own hearts and minds they would do that. And they would experience life to the full. So Jesus, we give you the rest of this time in response. Make it clear what we need to do. And may our hearts say yes. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.